We hope you enjoy this message from Expression Church of Huntington. Message. I mean, I've been on a series uh, probably since the first of the year of talking about Moses and how Moses has been journeying um, with the children of Israel, bringing them out of slavery and into, from bondage into this place that they hear about that's called flowing with milk and honey or the land of promise. And the challenge you run into there is, you know, th- there's not just one easy way to get from over there to over here. There's this journey, this transformation process that you have to go through. And it's, 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 uh, it's a painful time at times. But in that journey, in that Moses story, in that process, you see all kinds of New Testament. It's a, it's a shadow. It's a hidden, they're hidden truths, if you will, uh, and that have to be brought forth and brought through the cross to get the light of the revelation that Jesus has shown us and given us through Christ. So I want to talk a little bit about something. I want to point out some baptismal points for you as well uh, as we go through this little process. But I want you to see something, how God is faithful and how God is the author and the finisher of your faith. And the responsibility to author it is him. It is only our responsibility to respond to him. Amen? He authors it. I know sometimes we think we have to have the, 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 the onus is on us. It's our responsibility to make things happen, to, to force things to happen. And, but God always opens the door. God always initiates Sometimes our life gets so busy that we don't listen, we don't, we don't hear him when he's opening up a door or giving us that opportunity to walk through, and then he has to repeat himself several times. But I want, I want to show us today just a, just a brief principle that, and then I want to really pick up on this next week when we get into more into the, uh, the baptismal day, as well as as we accelerate into the land of promise. But everything in the Old Testament is a, is a type. It's a shadow. It's a picture of Christ. In the, in, as the head of the church, as the body of Christ, it's, it's, it's a picture of Jesus that has not yet been revealed in fruition that had finally come in the day of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, okay? So you have to know that. And the Old Testament is not just a bunch of stories about Israel. It is a picture of Christ and how he interacts with us today. So as God interacted with Israel is how he interacts with us today, the only difference was Israel didn't always do right. Christ didn't do any wrong. Right? Israel didn't do always do right. When they had certain kings, they didn't do well. They did what was right in their own eyes. But when they did right, God blessed them. When they didn't, they weren't blessed. However, God always honored his covenant with them. But aren't you glad to know that what Jesus did in the New Testament, Israel wasn't able to perform in the Old so what happened was all the bad and the punishment that was going on in Israel came on Jesus. Didn't come on you. You don't get any better than this. You get to be the beneficiary of the blessing of the Lord and the curse was put upon Jesus. That's a pretty good trade. I'll take you get the good, but you don't get the bad, right? In the Old Testament, before Jesus came, if you died and you didn't know Christ, what's the punishment? You spend eternity in darkness, right? Thank God Jesus comes. When he did come, he went back all the way to Adam into the bosom of Abraham, into the, in hell, and he went and preached the gospel of the good news that says, if you'll believe on me, you can all come forward. And they all came forward. So the cross didn't just save the people from Jesus on. It also brought those people that were in Jesus before Jesus 
out. That gives you hope, doesn't it? Right? That's why you gotta be careful as a Christian to begin to, to judge people's lifestyle and then when they pass away go, oh man, they just didn't make the right choices. It's not a believer's responsibility to represent another person to God. It's our, represent, our, our responsibility to represent God to people. Right? I've preached a lot, I hate to say it, but I've preached more suicide funerals than I really care to preach. I've preached messages where you know, their lifestyle seemingly did not match up with what we would, Christian people would say, oh, he's living the, she's living the Christian life. But I'm very hesitant to stand before the, behind a podium or a pulpit and preach to a group of people over top of a person's life and, and have the, feel like I have the final say over their life because I, didn't, but I saw behaviors that didn't line up with what I thought should be right. We leave that to the merciful God. God knows the ins and outs, we don't, right? You can find yourself in a deep, dark depression when you begin to judge everybody else's life, right? Am I right? You gotta be careful. You're not looking at everybody else's life going, hey, what's the, so when, when, when we see Christ in the New Testament, we have to know that he brought everything forward. Right? So when I'm talking about Moses bringing children of Israel out of Egypt through this little land of, of, of wilderness into the promised land, we need to pick out the nuggets in the scriptures that help us see Christ in the light that helps it to be relevant to your life today. Make sense? Let's re read uh, Exodus chapter 14. Let's read a few verses. It's a very, very familiar passage of scripture. Very familiar. Okay, let's first, first go with verse 13 first. I was gonna start in 20, but I think I'm gonna back up. Just, this is a little bit what I read last week, but I wanna bring it forward. And Moses said unto the people, fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show you to the, today. For the Egyptians whom you have seen today, you shall see them again no more forever. And the Lord shall fight for you and shall hold your peace. And you shall hold your peace. And the Lord said unto Moses, wherefore criest thou to me, speaking to thy children of Israel, that they go forward. Now Moses just told him to stand still. He, then he goes to God and says, God, I just told him to stand still. God said, I didn't tell him to stand still, go forward. Now that's a problem. But he says, say this, lift up the rod and stretch out your hand over the sea, divide it, and the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And behold, listen to this, I'll, hold in the, I'll harden the hearts of Egyptians, we talked about last week, and they shall follow after them, and I will get me honor upon Pharaoh and upon all of his hosts and upon his chariots and upon his horsemen. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I have gotten me honor upon Pharaoh, upon his chariots, and upon his horsemen. And the angel of God, listen to this, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them, before their face, and stood behind them. It shifted. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Listen to this. And it was a cloud, and it was dark to them, but it gave light by night. To these, so that one camp came, one cannot come near the other at night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by the strange, strong wind, east wind, and all at night, and made the sea dry, and the waters were divided. And the children of Israel went upon the midst of, into the midst of the sea upon the dry ground, and the waters and the wall unto them. The waters were walled to them in the right hand and on the left. And the Egyptians pursued and went in after them to the midst of the sea, even all the Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And it came to pass that in the morning, watch the Lord looked, in the morning watch, the Lord looked upon the host of Egyptians, 
through the pillar of the fire and the cloud and troubled the host of Egypt, Egyptians. He took off their chariot wheels and they drave, drove heavily after the Israelites. Then they said, the Egyptians said, let us flee from the face of Israel for the Lord fighteth for them against the Egyptians. And the Lord said unto Moses, stretch out that hand over the sea that the waters may come back into their banks and cover up the chariots, Egyptians and their horsemen. And Moses stretched forth his hand over the sea and the sea returned to his strength when the morning appeared and the Egyptians fled against it and the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen and all the host of the Pharaoh and came into the sea after them. There remained not so much as one of them. Not one of them made the cut. But the children of Israel walked upon dry ground in the midst of the sea and the waters were the wall for the right hand and on the left. And the Lord saved Israel that day. There's that word saved out of the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. I want to stop right there for a minute, just kind of walk you back through this. Here's kind of was the picture. Now, these, this is two things you have to see in this to get a picture of Jesus. How many of you know Jesus died on a cross, buried in a grave, and was resurrected and, and, and rose on a third day? Amen? That's our salvation. We believe in that message, and because he lives, we shall live also. Bill Gaither wrote a song about it, because he lives. You can live too, Right? All right, it's the, it's the gospel. It's, our, it's, it's everything that we know about it. It's, uh, it's it, because he lives, because he died, your sins are forgiven. Be buried in a grave that can be remembered no more. He resurrected, it gives you eternal life and you can have life and life more abundantly. Those are, what we, those are the pillars of what Christianity is all about, right? The next step in a person's walk with Christ after receiving and believing by faith that gospel message of the cross and the resurrection is water baptism, so we see that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all the way through Acts. We see uh, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch baptizing him in the book of Acts. We see all these things there, and they make good sense to us in that story because we can see them literally in those stories. But here's the picture that really takes place. And the church, sometimes we, we sometimes lose what really the significance of those moments that Christ did for us because we get so caught up in living life and life sometimes doesn't line up with victory, it doesn't seem, doesn't appear, okay? So you have Moses coming to the children of Israel and he's telling them to come out. He brings them all the way to the Red Sea. He's there, he looks behind him, and here's what happens. As he looks behind him, he sees and hears and feels the pressure of his past and their past upon him. Circumstances that were right behind him, he's looking at him going, oh my God. The problem is, in front of him was an obstacle that he couldn't cross on his own. And he's got an awful lot of people. If you're a husband or you're a father or a mother and you've led your family to a certain place, you've made choices and decisions to get you to a certain place, there's nothing worse than feeling like you're in between. You can't go back because you feel the pressure because you've already did it, done it and created it. It's already there. And you can't go forward because there seems like something's in your way that you can't move. Anybody been there? You know what I'm talking about? You, 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 you feel stuck right between this place. So Moses said something that was right. God told him something that was even more right, but they weren't both right. They were both right. When Moses said, he looked at the children of Israel because they're looking at him going, you brought us to this place and we don't know how to get any further and all we sense is the pressure still on our backs and it looks like they're coming even closer and closer and closer and Let's just break it real. The financial pressure, the relational pressure, the life pressure, the health pressure, whatever it is, is right on our back. We can't go forward, and we know it's time to move forward 
because we can't go back to where we came from, but we're feeling this squeeze that something's got to change, and I've got this little jitter on the inside of me. You're going, I'm feeling a little bit of anxiety, a little worried, a little concerned because I feel anxious to move, and I really want to take matters into my own hand, but I know if I take matters in my own hand, I don't know what matters to take into my hand yet because I, got, I don't see any options, or sometimes you see so many options, and you just don't want to try things, right? Anybody been there? That's a place in life where you're going, oh God, I feel like I gotta get away from here, but I don't know how to get into that next place. So many, depending on your personality type, you might be one of those kind of people that just ready just to take on everything and you'll just start swinging and I call it shadow boxing. You just start doing stuff because you're not staying here. You feel the pressure and, and you're right, something's gotta change. You have to move forward, but you can't move forward because it's right on your butt. Am I talking to anybody? It's, it's, it's right here. So, and the problem is, is you've already made a couple of decisions here that you got you here that you now begin to reflect and go, should I have changed that? So you start thinking, do I, do I go back and make, do I go back and make those mistakes? So you, you have a choice to make. You're looking this direction, you're looking this direction, and you're not sure what to do. But I just said earlier, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. Here's how this works. Moses said, stand still. God said, Moses, go forward. That's the conflict. God will always tell you to go forward, but you'll always tell yourself to stand still. And you better stand still as you go forward. How does that work? You have got to be leaning forward, ready to go, anxious to move, anticipating the door, but it's God that will author it. And when he gives you the way, he gives you the outlet, he gives you the initiation, he gives you, then your job is to go exactly with what he tells you to do. Follow the way. Can I tell you why you follow the way? Because it leads to truth into the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now here's the thing. If you're just standing here and God keeps authoring forward motion in your life and you're still just standing here and you're waiting on this wonderful big epiphany that God's gonna lightning bolt this thing from heaven, you're gonna miss the author because the author comes in a nudge. The author comes through other people. And many times what we're looking at is, no, I'm not moving until God tells me to move. And you've had four or five different people come through your life going, here's the, here's the opportunity. Here's the, here's the opportunity. Here's the opportunity. I, I know of a guy right now, good friend, good friend of mine, great guy, great guy. He said, he, already, he wanted to quit this job back here. He couldn't take it anymore. It's time for him to move on, and it was. And he had been here for a long time. He had done extremely well. But he knew there was more in him, and he, he was really capped out at his, his position or where he was going. So he says, I'm leaving. I'm ready to go. So he let it be known that he was going to be leaving. He didn't have something to go to. So he steps out, and he goes, I'm, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. The first person that comes by, without them even knowing he was leaving the other position, offered him a job. He said, no. I'm not gonna take that. I've got something in my mind. I already know what it's gonna be. I'm not gonna take that. I can't do that. Why? Well, it felt like it was a lateral move, okay? So he stays right here. 
Next person that comes by, right? Next person that comes by, offer him a job. Offer him a better job. No, that's not the one I'm, I'm really not looking for that one either. I'm, that's not the one I'm looking for. Weeks, months, years go by. His stock was so high over here when God told him to move that he got so disgruntled that his stock started dropping in his job here because he wasn't happy, wasn't putting his heart into it. And all the while, one right after another, were coming across his path in the weeks and months and years going, you want this job? I got a, I got a position for you. You want this? No, I'm waiting for the right one. Well, all that was happening was years were being stolen off this guy's life. He was becoming more miserable by the day. Everybody around him was more miserable by the day because he kept looking for something huge when God was giving him a door. Here's what happened. The very first person that offered him a job two years, two and a half years earlier came back around in the picture and said, hey, I still got that job that if you want that job, man, I can still get that for you. Finally, he became so disgruntled, instead of leaving high here, he left upset here, took this position here, felt like a little lateral move, wasn't even a real high position, it was just something he felt real, kind of, it was a step lateral, wasn't, wasn't even a step up. He takes the job, was in this job six weeks, gets promoted to the regional director, right? And then when they promoted him, they told him, they said, I said, man, where have you been? We have been looking for a good regional director for at least a couple of years. You see what I'm saying? Why? He was Moses here. I'm standing still to see the salvation of the Lord. And the Lord says, go forward. You've got to have sense enough to know and, and, and trust enough to know that when God authors something, he initiates it and all you have to do is walk through the door. What if you walk through the door and it's the wrong door? You don't think he'll, 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 he'll tr you can trust him enough that he'll make another way to get to another door? Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can trust him in your mobility and your forward motion. When you're looking for him, you will find him. What kind of father? He says this. If your earthly father being wicked wants to give you good gifts, how much more does your heavenly father want to give you the things of the kingdom? If your intentions and focus is on him as you're moving forward, how could you possibly doubt him when he brings something to you and you go, I don't know if that's it or not. Go forward. Let's say you miss it, like this friend of mine did. It'll come back around someday, but for two and a half years, you're gonna be sitting here waiting on it. He's faithful if you do it. He's faithful if you don't. His faithfulness is not dependable on, dependent on your faithfulness and your goodness. What really does happen is we can walk in the will of God, in the fruit of the Spirit, in the life of Christ as we move forward if we trust him in our move forward. You can trust him. Right? And I promise you, every step of forward and trust is a risk. It's a risk that you're gonna look like a fool. It's gonna risk like you just made a bad decision. It's a risk like, oh my God, what have I done? It's a risk of, oh my Lord, I'll never do this. <laughs> it's a risk. But the end result when you trust in him, if you were lost in the world and he brought you out and you weren't looking for him, 
how much more do you think he's going to bless you and lead you when you are looking for him? We, we are, when we're sinners, we're carefree. We'll make reckless decisions and God still blesses us. He brings you out of the sin and brings you into his kingdom. But when we get to be Christian, we're all stepping on landmines. We're afraid. We're concerned. We just want to, make, we just want to be in the will of God. You're in the will of God. He's not going to let you get out of the will of God. The only way you'll get out of the will of God is if you delay it by just not listening to him when he tells you to move forward. Moses said, stand still. Very next verse, God says, Moses, why are you crying out to me? Go forward. So Mo, what do you have in your hand? I got the rod. What do, you have in your, what do you have in your hand? It's what you have in your hand that God will bless. Right? God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you by moving, by moving forward. You've got to be moving forward. You've got to come out of that old way into a new level of trust in relationship. And sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's scary. But it's right. And you don't always see the reward while you're stepping. Sometimes you don't see the reward until you look back in hindsight and go, oh my goodness, I am so thankful I made that decision. Right? I've been there lots of times. And I haven't always got it right for sure. But you step forward and you keep moving. And here's what happened. As they went forward, because of the pressure on the backside of Moses going, oh my God, here they are. And see, sometimes the pressure that mounts up on your life is just enough pressure to force you to go forward. Because if you'll stand still and wait and let time, the Lord does not want you to have to still let the life, the world, steal years off your life. He wants you to enjoy him and see him as you're moving forward. Right? So sometimes pressure mounts. He hardened Pharaoh's heart. He was even involved in their chariots and their horsemen and their people. And here they were coming right up on the backside. Now I want you to see, this is salvation. Because Moses is a picture of Christ. Moses then looks around. They're right on his heels. He takes the rod in his hand, puts the rod up over the, the water. The Red Sea parted. On the left side was water. On the right side was water. And it was like walls. It kept everything out. The Bible says that the ground was dry. I've always heard it was muddy. It didn't say muddy. It said dry. That means no evidence of water. The water had repositioned. And as they went down into the water, watch this. As he went down into the water, Moses led three million plus people across the Red Sea. As they come up on the other side, they look back. They still see their past coming. They still see the pressure. They still see the circumstances coming. They look back. And as Moses looks back, the Lord breathed on that water again, and it went back into its place, but he didn't do it until the enemy was down in the water. When the enemy was down in the water, he drowned him, completely drowned And there wasn't one left, not one horseman, not one chariot, and Pharaoh was gone. Now watch this. When they looked back, they saw their enemy. And here's what God told them before they even was crossing over the Red Sea. He said, today you will not see your enemies ever again. It's the last time you're gonna see him. Now, Pharaoh represents the enemy, Satan, the devil, the world system. When Moses brought the children of Israel out down in the water, the waters parted, they come up on the other side like water baptism, they come down, they come up, the waters parted, the waters come back in place, the enemy is now drowned in the middle of the Red Sea. Just a picture of water baptism. 
So when a person gets water baptized, it is a, a, a significant uh, experience because it's representation of Christ that died on the cross, buried in the grave, and resurrected on the other side. And the enemy that tried to kill him was taken out. The authority of the enemy that was trying to, was trying to kill Christ, Christ used the wisdom of heaven to confound Satan. So Satan thought he was killing Christ, but he was actually stripping himself of his own authority. No different than Pharaoh. Because when Pharaoh saw the waters here, he went, whoo, we got a clear path. We're going after him. It's like Satan will take him right to the cross. When he gets underneath, he gets drowned. They didn't expect Jesus to raise from the grave, but he did. When he did, the victory was won. Just like the children of Israel come through, they look back and see their enemy die in the Red Sea. The very next chapter we're going to get to in the next week or two, the very next chapter shows a celebration and a party that went on on the other side of that Red Sea. Miriam had a tambourine. They were singing and shouting that their enemy was dead and was never, never to be remembered again, never to be seen again. He couldn't touch him again. Why is it, if that is a picture of, of Satan and the devil, your adversary, your enemy, why is it that when a person gets saved, that the Red Sea experience has more of an impact on the children of Israel that doesn't even know Christ than a, than a believer today that experiences Christ? Why is it that the jury is still out, that he's still around? when we have more of a victory and a secure victory than they did back in the Red Sea experience. Does that make sense? Why is it that the children of Israel can go through, come up, and see their enemy drown, and we have evidence 2,000 years ago that Jesus Christ defeated Satan on the cross 2,000 years ago, and we sing songs today that do not commemorate that moment, as much as we do, how are we going to get out of our trouble today? If the believer truly believed that just as much as Pharaoh had died in the Red Sea, that the enemy was stripped of his authority on the cross, if that was more believable today to the New Covenant to Church than it was back then to them, they saw it with their visible eye. The church has to believe it by faith because we weren't there 2,000 years ago. And you have to believe that he died on a cross. And he didn't just die on a cross to get your sins off your back. He died on a cross to destroy your enemy. And the enemy that had authority in your life doesn't have authority in your life anymore. The only authority he has in your life is you, what you give him. Because here's what happened when he came up on the other side. Pharaoh was gone, but the problem was they'd been in that crazy Egypt for 400 years, 10 plus generations, and Pharaoh was imprinted in their head. So even though Pharaoh had been dead, he wasn't gone. Because he, in their mind, had created an imagination that still caused them to be fearful. Even though they physically saw and they were celebrating the death of Pharaoh, we have victory now. Our enemy is gone. Thank God we saw it with our own eyes. The problem was Pharaoh was, was still around in their head. They were out of Egypt, but Egypt wasn't still out of them. 
when a believer gets believer, becomes a believer, when a, church, when a sinner becomes a believer like you and I had to go through, we came through, we heard the gospel, went, oh, this is incredible. Wow, it rolls off your back. The sins are gone. But it is not about you getting stuff just off of you. It's about now that it's off of you, we gotta get something in you. Because if you get saved and still see the world as their present, ever present, and your enemy still ever present, you'll still be running from somebody that's already gone and have the authority. Pharaoh had drowned, and you'll see in 40 years, that same generation was still running from Pharaoh even though he had died. 2,000 years after Satan had already lost the strip of his authority, the church is still running from Satan. Y'all believe me? It's true. The victory on the cross has got to be bigger than what looks like defeat in your circumstances of life. And if that be the case, when you come to crossroads or when you come to moments when you have to move forward and you're wanting to move forward, you will trust him every step of the way because while you were yet a sinner, he saved you. How much more today as you move forward? God, where are you in this? And the minute he opens the door, you can trust him. Let's say you make a bad decision. Make another one that's a good one. You make a wrong choice, make another right one. Don't dwell on the past, the bad ones. Just make another one. It's a forward motion from here. If you're not careful, you could become what the children of Israel did. They come on the other side, physically saw it, worshiped with all their heart, going, we have him, there. he's gone. The experience, the event, the historical moment, it happened, and they were excited about what God was doing. Thank you, Lord, for saving us from our past. The problem was they still had a future to live. And most Christians today are excited and ex just ecstatic about their past being gone and they're ready to free. But we've got to live this thing in the future. It's not easy for a sinner to become saved and try to live this thing out without knowing where they're headed. And somebody's got to be in front of them going, keep coming, keep going. I know you made a mistake, but keep coming, keep going. There's, there's too many people back into the world because they can't live it out here in the church. It's too hard, it's too difficult. Is that making sense? So what you do is you gotta recognize this moment here that the children of Israel come across. Many people see the, like water baptism example. When Jesus died on the cross, you confessed, oh, thank you, Lord. You saved me from my sins, it's off of me. God, my, my name is written in heaven. But the next step is water baptism. It is, and, but water baptism is not just some optional outward show of an inward experience, right? It's, it's more than that. Do you know that spirits do not penetrate water? It's in the book of Job. Man, God, I don't have time to go into this, it's 1208, I wanna quit early. In the book of Job, there is a prison that God talked about, and the book of Job was written before Genesis. The very first book in the Bible, written, very historical. The, there was, there's a prison underneath the earth, prison bars of water. And he, at the beginning, when Satan tried to overthrow, he was confined in these bars of water underneath, right? We okay? I'm not getting in some sci-fi stuff. It's in the book of Genesis, or in the book of Job. And here's what, how I know this to be true. When Jesus was talking to the, the guys, 
there was a legion of devils that came to him and said, man, what are you going to do? You come here to torment us before our time? Jesus says, no, you know, I'm, I'm, doing my, I'm here to do my father's business. Then he looks at him and he says, let, we're gonna, I'm going to cast you out because you can't be in these people. And the legion looks at him and said, let us go into the swine, right? Let us go into the swine. Okay, he gave, he gave the devil permission to go into the swine. That's Jesus. Name me the, tell me the last Christian you know that had that kind of conversation and said, yeah, you can go into those people out there, or out, you can go that, that livestock out there, but you can't touch these people. No, we're running. We run into a devil, we run. It's true, we're afraid. We counsel them or we talk them into it or we go, well, you know, where is the authority? Because you got these, some people on the other side of this thing start starting to cast out everything. You're casting out people with gray hair. It had nothing to do with that. You just got to have sense and common sense. We're going to get into this as the time goes on. But what I'm trying to tell you is, he said, go into the swine. They said, okay, go into the swine. They went into the swine. They went down the steep hill into the water and choked those swine out because they couldn't live in that, in the waters, right? When you get water baptized, it's a reminder of what Christ, of Moses' baptism, because it talks about in Corinthians, down into the water and comes up the other side. Pharaoh did not make it. When the waters came back together, he did not come up. When Christ died on that cross and was buried in the grave, which we don't talk a lot about the burial. We talk about the death, we talk about the resurrection. But the burial was just as important because as the east is to the west, your transgressions can't be remembered. They're far removed. So when he buried them, they're buried, right? You can't even find your old stuff. And Christ left them there. So when he comes up on the other side, it's the water baptism, water's coming back together. It's you being baptized in, to, you're, you're, you're being dead into him and raised with him in life. And between your death and resurrection, your stuff is buried. But the beautiful part about your stuff being buried in Christ, Moses' people had all their past buried. In Christ, you get your past, present, and your future buried. Every bit of your stuff is gone. Stuff you did, stuff you're doing, and stuff you will do all gets buried. How? Christ did it. It's called grace. Are we good? It's important. So when you get water baptized, and the water, you, come, you go into the water, and you come out of the water, you come up, but your stuff doesn't. Every spiritual stronghold on you stays. Everything. So when you come up out of that water, you're going, I'm ready to walk in his resurrecting life. That's how this thing works. And we've learned the format and the protocol. Oh, gosh. But let me just spend about two or three weeks talking about the revelation and the understanding of the secrets that are still in this scripture that most believers don't know. I spent years uncovering and piecing together, line upon line, precept upon precept. I've spent years, man, I just know, I know this much. What I don't know would fill up a world full of libraries, but what I do know will set the captive free. And he's teaching all of us because fresh revelation is coming into the body of Christ more than we've ever seen it and known. And it has to, so Christ can be revealed and unveiled to us like we've never seen him before. So Old Testament stories are pictures of New Testament revelation. 
Here's what we've done, and we've not meant to, but I've done it, is we've taken Old Testament stories, translated them into New Testament stories, and they're still stories. If they just stay stories, it's just good to read the Old Testament. But the New Testament's got to become a revelation, revealing life. And when it becomes life, it motivates you. It becomes life electric, and you're moving forward at a faster pace than you've ever thought. In finances, in health, in relationships, in ministry, in just everyday living, understanding, it all starts making sense. Is this helping anybody? It's helping me because I'm starting to get a hold of this thing because it's not good enough just to recite stories. See, one of the things the enemy has really tricked us on over the decades is a generation of young people that didn't learn the stories. So for the last couple of years, last couple of decades, We've gotten away because churches have grown so much and mega churches have kind of come on the scene all over the country. So because we're doing multiple services, there's an 8.30, a 9.30, 11.30, and a 4 o'clock or whatever we're having to do, it does away with children's Sunday school where they learn, okay? They have an experience in children's church, which is good, and they learn a, a nugget. But most kids today, you know, the last 20 years, because of that big movement, we've had to forfeit something to make it all work. And what's been forfeited is our kids learning in Sunday school. Bible verses, stories. Understand? I, I would recommend this. I would recommend every person here go on, to, on Amazon or, or a bookstore uh, online and buy a kid's story Bible for yourself. And then teach it to your kids or your grandkids. The big white book that's got the pictures, all of it, from Adam all the way to Jesus, from Zacchaeus was a wee little man. A wee little man was he, you know? Joshua fit the battle of Jericho. You all know what I'm talking about? Ask our kids today if they do. Very few, but we're going after it. We're going after it. We're gonna teach them. We're gonna teach you. I had a guy get saved Guy's an incredible man. It was about 10, 15 years ago. He got saved. He, hadn't been, he, never, he didn't grow up in church, knew nothing about church. And he would come in and we'd be preaching. I'd preach on Noah and the ark. And I'd start talking about the ark was Christ. And he was going, oh my God. So he came up to me after service. And he said, I've only been saved a while. He said, I don't have a clue what you're talking about. So somebody in the church had given him a new King, or him a new King James Version Bible. And he's reading this. He's coming back. He goes, look, and this guy was like a VP of a pharmaceutical company. He was very intelligent, very bright, very educated, smart, very, very well-rounded. And he said, he said to me, he said, hey, he said, I'm reading this New King James Version. He said, but listen, I'm getting, I'm getting lost in it. He said, I don't get it. So I said, all right, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and buy this book. It was a, it was a baby, a kid's Bible. I'm talking about toddler Bible, big old white Bible. I said, go buy it. You don't have to carry it to church. You don't have, it's all right, you don't have to carry it here. I said, but go read it. So, so he starts going through that. And I said, every time you find that story, I want you to go online and Google the story and then extract all you can get and start piecing it together. Man, if you talk to this guy today, it didn't take him two or three years. If you talk to him today, he now teaches Bible, teaches it. He wasn't prideful enough to come and say, hey, can he went out and bought the, that book because God got a hold of his heart and he began to learn. And our kids, we're so busy these days that we're just passing through, passing by, and occasionally we just find out what's going on in their life. But it's gonna take some ser serious investment in time into our little ones for them to get a hold of this stuff. And what you're gonna find is the Spirit of God has already moved in their hearts. 
and they're not gonna have to struggle for it like we did. So we gotta find those kids. The best books, the best, the best apps you could ever download for your kids, your grandkids, or books, is to buy the storybook Bible, children's storybook Bible, and go over it with them so they can teach you what you really haven't learned. It's true. It's true. Apple, it wasn't an apple in the, in, in the Genesis. Everybody grows up and said, that apple, no, no, no. He took a bite of the fruit of the, fruit of the lips. It was fruit on the tree, but he took the fruit of the lips because he believed what she said and digested it. See, we gotta know those things. Otherwise, your kids are gonna start, is it Granny Smith's or the Gala or is it Red Delicious? You see what I'm talking about? And there's nothing wrong with them learning at that age, but as they get older, you better be able to answer some of those questions. And I'm determined this morning that we are just not gonna watch Miriam do a tambourine on the other side of the Red Sea while Pharaoh dies and the children today and the people of God today come have a cross experience 2,000 years ago and Miriam's experience be more valuable and more real than the experience that we have today. It just can't be. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection is so much more potent than Pharaoh. That was a picture of Jesus. That's why we're gonna baptize next week. And when we baptize, it's not just a ceremonial thing where we can all applaud that they got their sins forgiven. They're coming up out of that water into his new life. Why? Because their enemy is not around anymore. And the job from the church, the job for us and all of our believers is to get the enemy out of their head because he's already been defeated on the cross 2,000 years ago. If we can get them out of the world, let's get the world out of them. That's the discipleship process of making a believer. And if we can do that at our kids, the kids won't have to experience the hardships that we've all experienced today, or many of us experienced today, so we can have a testimony. Mm-mm. We're gonna raise them the right way, teach them the right way. That way, when they do go through tough times, when they go through hardships, we look and say, oh my God, this is incredible. I'm not gonna get thrown off. They won't question their salvation when they know what salvation truly is. We good? 2019 is gonna be a real deal. You're going to be in a place, and he's already doing it. I promise you, if you don't have any pressure on your backside right now, you're, you, you get ready. It's coming. And the pressure on the backside is only to get you to move forward. And you need to embrace it and recognize, I don't care how much pressure is there, I'm moving forward. If you don't know what to move forward, how to move forward, I promise you, he will not leave you empty-handed. He's the author and the finisher of your faith. He will initiate the next step. You have to have the courage, the boldness to go to the next step. What if you make a mistake? You stay right there, leaning forward to what? To make another one. And you will not be out of the will of God as long as you're moving forward with him. He, you can trust him because he trusts you. He trusts himself. Are we good? We're moving forward. We're going somewhere. The city is waiting on a footprint of the church. And we, all we're doing is analyzing the problem. We got to get it first here. We're going to get it here and then we're going to release everybody. But what do we do? You bring in, a, I mean, I've seen it through the addiction recovery where we, we kind of minister to them over and over and over and over and over again. People get real, because they get a part of it, so the world gets, they get out of the world, but if the world don't get out of them and get them into Christ fully, it's a cycle. It's hard to maintain that lifestyle. I don't care who you are. 
we got to get people into Christ fully, embracing the life of Jesus. Will you stand with me? As we move forward in the weeks to come, we're going to continue on this path of bringing us, I'm, gonna, I'm really going to hone in on this, this Moses thing and bring it into Christ today. But I want to encourage all of us that are here and people that are watching online as well that the responsibility that we have today is much greater than it was 10 or 15 years ago. And the reason being is because the world's problems are much more difficult. Life problems are much more difficult. And used to, you know, you could just outlive and outride the problems, but then you just repeat the same cycle for every two or three or five, 10 years. That's not what we're doing. We're moving into a place of revelation in Christ, an understanding of Jesus that we've never had before, or perhaps if we had, we've never really knew how to apply it to our lives. It's one thing to know secrets, but if those secrets don't produce results in your life, you can become haughty or knowledgeable, but not really fruitful. And the last thing we want is a lot of knowledgeable people without having the fruit and the evidence of the resurrection working in our lives. So that's where we're moving and going. And it's gonna cause us to, to be a little uncomfortable for a while as we move forward, but it's gonna bring the fruit that your heart's yearning and desiring for. Because between here and there, it's not always easy, but it is right. It's like anything, like Steph talking about the expression fit and that, that race that's coming up, you know, between now and August when that thing is, it's not gonna be easy, eight months of hard training. And somebody's gonna make the decision to go and do it and step forward into it. If you don't, guess what? It'll be a missed opportunity. It'll be a missed moment. And perhaps that will come around again in a couple of years or whenever it might be. Whatever that thing is for your life, whatever it is for you, I don't know. But I wanna encourage you. I mean, your kids are getting older. They just are. Babies aren't babies anymore. I mean, I, I, you know, all it takes is to look on your Facebook when you get a memory picture of somebody and you go, dear Lord, that was just three years ago. That was two years ago. And now look at them. You know, you get a little sad when the babies are making up words and now they say your name right. And you're going, oh gosh, I liked it better when they weren't even able to pronounce my name. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You get to that place now, things are accelerating, it seems like, and growing and moving faster. But you got a time right now but you gotta captivate this moment that you're in and allow God to really reveal himself to us so we can accelerate all these little lives that we're responsible for, including our own, as we move forward. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I'm gonna pray for you this morning before I dismiss. Father, thank you for just allowing us to see and hear your heart. God, you've got such wonderful, incredible plans for your people and your church. And, you know, Lord, we, we, we know glimpses of things and maybe shallow in so many areas. But God, we're asking you to piece all this together, tie all the seams together so we can see what it looks like. Every person in here, God, is in a place in their life. Some are maybe going through, maybe some have just gone through, maybe some are about to go through. I don't know what it is, but everybody's in a different place. But the, the fact that you're in every detail of every person's life is encouraging, comforting to us. So Lord, as we walk through this week and walk through this day and as we evaluate and kind of take an introspective look at our life and where we are as our, our families, would you just kind of allow us to see the, the real picture, maybe an aerial perspective of where you see it from? Lord, just as the cloud moves, we know it, we can trust that Lord, you, you're gonna protect us from the harm's way of enemy. And Lord, as we move forward and go 
to the place that you've called us to go to. Sometimes, God, it, it doesn't make sense to make the next move or whatever the next move might be, but you're still telling us to do it. So, Father, I'm asking for a blanket and a baptism of boldness and courage and confidence in you for every person that's here today. And as we walk out of this door today, embracing life, let there be a confidence that overwhelms and overshadows every bit of circumstance that life throws at us. And as we walk out of here and we look and see the sky and we say, God, you're in all of that, we know that you're in the detail. In the very minute parts of our life, you're there. So help us, God, in every aspect. Answer the prayers we're requesting and answer the prayers that we don't even know how to pray. We bless you and we thank you. And I bless my brothers and my sisters as they walk out of here today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week.